And we're live. Oh, oh man. Wait, there's another guy on the screen. What's happening? Are we being hacked? Wait a second. Is that the guy from the comment section? Oh, no. Wait, wait. Ah. Yeah. yeah, man. Ah. <laughs> now is, you guys are live. I get it. I get it. Is I'm there a doctor in the house? Is somebody it's here a doctor? Guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to Content Content. Is it too My late name to is Derek. <laughs> Should we bail? Should we bail? <laughs> I'm not prepared. I didn't do the readings. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> We're know, toast. You guys are amazing. I don't know how you guys like ad lib this every Sunday. <laughs> we don't. Like, if I never knew, if you never told me, I think that it was well prepared for. <laughs> you know, you guys are reading. You're you're taking down quotes. If, if elaborating we, on your if we did. <laughs> We probably would have gave up already. <laughs> yeah, Remember the one true, time true. we tried to do that, Derek? Right, right. And it, it felt terrible. like a lot of work. It, it felt, felt like yeah. a lot of work. We were like, I can't do this every week. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cut you off in the intro, Derek. That's quite all right, man. Good morning. Welcome to Tonkin. Ken. My name is Derek. Across the computer screen, as always, is Shaq Gomez. As not always, is dear guest, dear friend, and the first three-peat guest of content right. content is, is <laughs> woo dang woo dang woo <laughs> it's dr ivan hernandez good morning uh thank you for joining us uh doctor um let's start with mike mike how you feeling how you doing uh are you nervous about the, today's episode how, how do you oh, feel man. well i'm very unprepared but but <laughs> That's good. i'm have. looking at it like this <laughs> ivan has a topic and I want to listen to it. So the way yeah. that I see this is is um it's kind of like a day off. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all the talking today. Because <laughs> I'm saying yeah, I got some stuff to do. I'm gonna bounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at it like that because I'm saying to myself, first off, I don't know that much about this topic, and then I didn't even research it. So I'm like <laughs> Like a, like someone in the you know who's watching, so I'm going to learn about it. You know the interesting thing is that we've yet to define the actual topic. So that's, even, that's a good point. Well, first, then, listen, that's the first thing you're going to have to do. Then, as as, listen, I'm I'm taking the logo out because it's blocking him. Yeah, there we go. Well, to me, I think what we'll kind of get into here is almost a classic argument of. Uh, religion versus science, or like mm. faith versus science, yeah. which I think we, we have kind of talked about before. That like what what I think at least ultimately is that, as with so many things, the like religion versus science is kind of a false dichotomy, and the ultimate answers to those things is kind of a blending of those things. Maybe you guys may disagree with me on that, um, but one of the things we've been we've been getting into with Ivan's comments the past couple of weeks is like humans are animals, certainly, um, but maybe is there something more than that? Because I think that last week we'd really talked a lot about, ah, gosh, what were we getting into? Like, I, I, I mean, you, you yeah, go, we, go ahead, go ahead. I, we we were talking, we were talking about humans and how inherently we share a lot of traits with the rest of the animal kingdom. I think one of 
the traits that has allowed us to climb at to the top of the food chain and dominate the globe as we are now is the advent of knowledge is the cognitive revolution 70,000 years ago. It's with our ability to communicate, socialize, gather, subscribe to, and this always gets you guys when I say this, but fictitious narratives, right? Like, is there something tangible that we could touch when we say the Yankees? No, it's a it's a team that was created. It's a fictitious narrative. Is there an actual line that divides New Jersey from New York? That's a fictitious <laughs> narrative. You know, <laughs> you know, could you touch a Democrat? Well, you know, aside from the person that subscribes to it, you can't actually touch democracy. Again, it's a fictitious narrative. So I think what we were talking about is that humans, because of our ability to uh, speak, gather, and subscribe to these fictitious narratives, that we could form groups unlike other animal species that really can't, like, think about it. Do you think that you could ever have 10,000 lions um, in, the, in the Vatican having peace and order? That would never happen. That would, you know, no, with no animal species would we be able to do that. But with human, wait, I just like to say that I'm not so sure that the the people in the Vatican have complete peace and order. Exactly. <laughs> At least they could sit in one room together. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like you know they're fighting over doctrines and this and decision and you know, this and that. Well, why is the Pope this? And just saying. <laughs> Anyway, so that that's the thing, man. It's like we're different. We're different because of that. And I, you know, the whole science and religion thing, you know, this has been an ever elusive quest in my adulthood. I gotta tell you. Um, you know, reconciling religion with science. And what I find interesting is that like when you look at the NASA community overwhelmingly they are atheists right and then and mike and, and i have discussed this before and then when you look at some of these when you look at religion when you look at evangelicals um some you know and you look at the demo the demographics of these people they tend to have, unlike people that represent the NASA community or scientific communities, they tend to have very less education. I don't want to say little, but less education. So I'm going to throw out um, a rhetorical question to both of you, and I guess maybe we could start talking from there. What, it, what if you think it's rhetorical, but it's really not? He's going to call well, it stupid, it's man. It's completely rhetorical. So check out, does education and the ability to apply critical inquiry allow us to start um, doubting or um, fact-checking the verities of religion? Okay, and does our lack of education allow us to make faith-based assumptions. Is, is there a correlation between the two? Mm -hmm. 
are, if you're more educated, are you're more likely to engage in critical inquiry and say, did in fact, um, was, was there in fact an Adam and Eve or was that a fable? Was there in fact um, Moses? Was there in fact Noah's Ark? And I think these are the things that I'd like to talk about because, and I, I think that's kind of what led you guys are bringing me on the show. How do you reconcile that as humans advance and we learn more and more and more and how we are not able to verify the historicity of some of these fables that we were taught as being true? How do we advance and continue going forward? All right, can I jump in, Derek? Go right ahead. All right, Here, uh, my thoughts right away. First of all, I thought we were going to talk about that <laughs> we were just like the animals, but it's fine. We're talking about something different. In that no, oh, yeah, yeah. But, he, he, re but, he relented at the top, man. He but said okay. we're but got here him. we go. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting because um, just one of the things I think about when, when it comes to education, right? The those same systems, you know, that are doing the educating for, for the guys at, you know, NASA are already agenda driven, you know, uh, with the death of God. Um, and that happened, those same institutions that are educating quotes to me, them are the same institutions who used to uphold the Bible. You know, though they began as basically theological seminaries, you know, all these Ivy League schools. And then with the death of God, that was a new doctrine. So their education, you know, and their free thinking and their critical thinking was indoctrinated. And it was agenda driven, my opinion, because I know that history. Um, now, critical thinking to me, can be found on both ends of the spectrum. It's an individual thing, you know, um, because you, a true critical thinker on either end of the spectrum is going to question whatever they're being taught. So if you're being indoctrinated in an educational system that is telling you God's dead, there is no God. If you're the guy in there who's saying, well, you started out this way and you're questioning them and saying, well, Maybe he isn't dead. You're a true critical thinker. Now, if you're on the far end of the spectrum uh, and you're not being educated and everyone's just telling you about Adam and Eve, that's true, that really happened, and you're questioning that teaching, then you're a real critical thinker. So I, I think- When I say critical thinker, though, I, I, I'm saying that you're doing your due diligence. You're doing your own research. That's the same thing I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly what I just said. Yeah. So you can be a critical thinker if you don't, if someone's telling you God is dead and you don't question that, then you're, in my opinion, you're not doing due diligence because you're not questioning. And, it, and vice versa, if someone's telling you Adam and Eve is real, this is true, Noah was a real person, and you don't question that, then you're not doing your due diligence. I feel like there's guilty parties on both ends of not doing research, not digging in. And I feel like me and Derek have talked about this many times that within every group, there's going to be sort of a remnant of people who really seek, who really question, 
who really dig in and you'll find them in every group, whether it be education, church, cult, on and on. So, I mean, that's just my thoughts on that. I mean, but I do get what you're saying for sure. You know, uh, as far I, as the question. I, one of the, one reason I think it's a worthwhile topic and I'm not subscribing to either. I, I, I hope that my goal was really to define two opposite ends of the spectrum. There's a lot of gray in between, but, um, I, I know, and I kind of diverted because we were going to talk about animals. That's right. Animals and their gods. My <laughs> bad. We can talk about that. <laughs> no, we, no, no, let's we, see. We'll get to it. it. I no, think we'll get to it. No, that's what live is all about. What fascinates me is that, like, how, like, if you look at history, right, if you look at, like, how we've, again, this is something that not all would subscribe to, but if you look at the way we evolved, right? Right, how we were not, we were once not, we weren't always Homo sapiens. You know, there was a point where there was a genus species that led to us who we are today. And then when you look at the cognitive revolution, you look at the agricultural revolution, you look at the information revolution, we have in a small, in the grand scheme of it all, in a small blip of time, we've really advanced a lot. How are we going to continue to advancing? How are we going to continue to advancing with the some of the just fundamental differences that continue to exist today? Because when you look at like a lot of rift that goes on in the world, a lot of it has to do with religion. A lot of it has to do with politics. How are we going to be able to overcome this hurdle to continue advancing the human race. Um, we've been through a lot. We've persevered as a human race. How are we going to get past this? And a lot of it has to do with the stuff that we just discussed because I feel, I feel like this word is so blasphemous, but atheism. How are we going to reconcile that? You know what? There is no holy land. This is simply land. You know, how are we going to get around that so that we could cohabitate in a cohesive manner and, you know, continue with the human race? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's uh, well, what I kind of think about that is, and this is one of the things that we always kind of say about content content is the object of this show is fully accepting, I think, that religion um has been like at least in america like set aside for a number of very good legitimate reasons um one of them being is like well if you if you know ha having all the answers can be a dangerous thing because you don't do any critical thinking so one of the things we try and figure out i think here is well let's throw away a lot of that stuff but what in it is worth keeping and certainly like uh if, if we don't have like more investment uh, and, and thought process going into how to educate people, critical thinking, I would imagine, is a, a, an important part of the evolution of humans as a species, that we're able to think critically, wait a second, I'm here, how could I make this better? And then you act accordingly. So anything that suppresses critical thinking, um, 
I think would be a bad thing. Um, so how do we, um, how do we get it so that we can continue to move forward? Because, well, one of the things we had mentioned last week that I want to ask you about, Ivan, is like the concept of resources. Because that's how we kind of, I think, wandered into this. Yeah. I was talking about so many things, so many issues that are yeah. segmented into different things are because of inequality. And you had mentioned, well, uh, you know, if you throw a stake into a bunch of alligators, they're not going to be like, well, Jeff, you go ahead. Then I'll take the back end. <laughs> it's just like, let's eat. And I would wonder if you know if like the cognitive revolution that you're talking about, how correlated was that with humans having enough resources to at least be like in a little group yeah. or like, because Mike, you had mentioned last week too, Mike, that like, yeah, well, I can be all peaceful, but take away my house and take away some things from me and I'll act like an alligator now, too. I hate so, to rewind. I'm sorry. Right. No, you, went, you went somewhere completely else, which is great. Yeah, we're all over the place. But, no, no, but I just want to, I just want to, because I would like to respond to to what Ivan said. Okay. Um, as far as the the atheist um sort of idea, that it kind of surprised me because it it kind of implies that if we were all atheists, all of a sudden we'd be peaceful. Which I no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. That's the that's the impression I got. Like you no, know, if we no, started no, no, no. to critical think and we all became atheists, all of a sudden there wouldn't be a holy land, and then we'd be hugging and kissing each other, and and that's the vibe I got. No, like, no, that was, I totally don't believe that because I, I believe that a spectrum where okay. the extremes in the spectrum are atheism and you know theism, yeah. and how are we how are we going to considering this spectrum advance as a human species when a lot of the problems that exist in our contemporary world is based around of a lot of things capitalism greed but I feel, I feel but also, like scapegoats religion religion and politics look like put on you know we don't have to look too far let's just look at our social media feeds I how many posts do we see about Trump? And I know, and but I think all that, I mean, this is going to kind of come out of left field, but I think I think that all those things, religion, atheism, uh, Democrat, Republican, are all scapegoats for the human condition. I think that instead of taking responsibility for ourselves, who we are, and the internal fight that we have in the mirror, um, we just project it into a party, into a religion, our anger, our frustrations, you know, and I think that that is human condition. And if you just went to play a different game and changed the board, you know, from monopoly to life and you got, or shoots and ladders, it's going to still have all those elements with new names, new groups, new divisions, new factors, maybe not even God involved. Maybe we, we like the color orange, uh, you, you know, know we, Something's going to make us fight. It's just no, no, no. I hear you. I, I think this. I think this all ties back to what we were saying, though. You know, with the cognitive revolution um, that allowed humans to advance to the point where we are now. But I think, arguably, we are still very tribal in nature. Definitely, right? definitely. Yeah. I have, and I think 
and we create false dichotomies all the time, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, you're, you're, you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, right? You're mm -hmm. a Yankees fan or Mets fan, you know, Biggie or Tupac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we always, we always create dichotomies. Always. And so, you know, um, what were we talking about? So, yeah, and but you're instinctively we're we're that way. We, yes. we are tribal in nature. And that, that's all and I was trying to say. When it comes to religion and politics, mm -hmm. it's no different. Yep. I think we want to belong to something, and it is our brain that is that has allowed us to migrate into these groups. Yeah. Um, and I, and I can even common myths. These there, there was a conversation I had exist like the other day, and it completely illustrates what we're talking about. It was like one of those comments I made it. Uh, someone was, you know, whenever someone starts talking about cult, I had to jump in, and it was on one of my favorite pages. It's called Memetics, um, I, uh, on Facebook, and uh, they said something uh about sort of the cults, and then you know I started to talk about it, and I went back and forth with someone who apparently I didn't know they were an atheist, and they were they were with me the whole time, and you know we're having a really good back and forth, and then he asked me, "Do you believe in God?" And I said, yes. And I even said that, but I understand that I'm predisposed to believing in God. I always have. It's just, you know, it's just wired into me. And then after that, he said, then I believe you're in a cult. And yeah. and that yeah. is what I'm saying as far as, see, he he immediately turned off his thinking, his, everything. He he picked aside. He, he didn't allow, you know, he just completely turned everything off. And that and that's the tribal thing you're talking about. And that's yeah, why I wanted yeah. to illustrate it. And that, and I think that that runs through everything. I know? think we're all in cults. I, I think we're, you know, just, just the very nature of what a well, like, like, is, is a cult. Well, unless you're a mom, a brother, why I don't know. we stray as two-year-olds onto, you know, we, yeah, we, we all we navigate towards tribes. And, and I even said that in, in, in that conversation, I was like, uh, there's a bit of cult in everything. Yeah. Full blown cult is a whole nother story, which I was in. Um, you know, that's where they, they tell you who to marry. You know, they get into your, you know, don't you can't take this job. They're telling you personal decisions that they're, they're telling you they speak for God. You know, I mean, there's all types of cults, but I'm just saying that's the one, how the one I was in. So that's that's a little bit more you know, stronger cult cult, but you're right. I agree with you. There's a little bit of cult in everything and the shaming. If you, if you disagree with the party line, you know, you kind of have to agree with everything or you're not real. You're not legit. If you're a Yankee fan, you got to be a hundred percent Yankee when they're down, when they're up, you know, it's like yeah. it's, we're, we're put under the scrutiny, you know? Yeah. You know, I, again, I think I'm diverting from the topic. Um, but you know, one of the things, again, this this has been an ever elusive quest to reconcile my own critical inquiry with the things that I've learned growing up. You know, I met Mike at St. Mary's. You know, that's a Catholic church. I was an altar boy. I was, you know, I was, yeah, if you will, know, indoctrinated into into the into the faith of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. But you know, over the years, I've. I've done my own critical inquiry. And one of the things that I've always had a tough time, and I know this is a big question, um, you know, in the, in these type of conversations is, you know, I, I learned that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is all knowing, all powerful, and all present. If my son 
either of my sons or both my sons were at home and a fire broke out. There would be no reservation whatsoever. I would do everything in my power, particularly if I had the power, if I had the capacity, if I was everywhere, right? If I, was, if I had the ability to be at work, but also be at home and have the power to save them, I would do that in a heartbeat. No, no questions asked. And one of the things that I've had a tough time reconciling through critical inquiry is if in fact there is this entity that is all knowing, all powerful and all present, why do bad things happen to good people? That is the thing that my, most of my adulthood I could not explain. And I've spoken and I have read with theologians, uh, with people that follow the scripture. And till this very day, I still haven't received uh, any type of coherent argument that would reconcile while how someone who has the capacity does nothing and allow bad things to happen to good people. Um. I'm very glad you asked that, Ivan, because I think that that um, is a question that needed to be asked to Mike and myself if we're going to continue to do this. And I think that's a, a, um, a great point and a question that a lot of people have. Um, they feel like betrayed by God because it's like, why would you, why did you like take my grandma? Why did you do that? And I think um, what I would say to that is, like, what I was about to ask you, too, and it's in line with this, is like, well, if we have, if we can create a fictitious narrative, and maybe we know it's fictitious, but we're going to put it out there anyway, because we have a goal of bringing everyone together. What so often happens is we create it, and then a bunch of people glob onto it. But almost by virtue of creating this one narrative, it creates its opposite also. And you have a bunch of people say, wait a second. So a bunch of people flock to it. Then you have whomever else that that's bullshit. No, that's not true. And well, we can't create a narrative that seems to get everybody together unless maybe aliens were to invade. And then we could all be like, well, we're humans and screw those guys. Um, and I think one of the things that the Buddhists tried to answer this with is like, because we're humans uh, and just one little tiny little set of eyes, um, we can't ever really stand far back enough from the universe, the oneness, the God, to be able to understand how it all works. And so in this, the Buddhists basically to this question, I think they just passed. They said, look, we're not going to be able to figure out why we're here or why things happens, or when the universe began. The fact of the matter is, we are here. And in experiencing life, there's a lot of suffering. A lot of stuff doesn't go the way that you think it would, or you wish it would. And then how do you just harmonize and make peace with that? So the question of like, well, why do bad things happen? Um, I could, I guess you could say... It's because the, there's so many things going on in the whole universe 
that there's this enormous picture at play that a lot of times suffering becomes grace. The things that you fail in are the things that lead you to becoming who you ultimately are. Now, of course, terrible things will happen to good people and they don't make any sense. And I, I, there, I don't have an answer for that. Um, other than that, there are things that, you know, I always talk about this guy, Trumpa Rinpoche, who was like a Tibetan Buddhist kind of teacher. Um, he talks about like engaging in the yin and yang, the happiness and pleasure. And well, you're going to have both, but there are things that are like basically good. Um, like the sun coming in through your window, the sun rises and sets every day. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I don't know, but it is efficient. It is effective. It gives life. It provides blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is sort of a basic goodness. And we are here now. We're occupying this meat body for one reason or the other. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, I don't know. It's both. But also, we are here now. And we have a body that works pretty efficiently. And that is kind of like basically good. But once you engage in the mind process of like happiness and sorrow, pleasure and pain, once you open yourself up to one, you're equally opening yourself up to the other. And that's kind of like just the nature of existence, it seems. And like, why do bad things? Because I don't think that God has like a singular consciousness the way that we do. Um, so that to it or him, those things don't seem bad. And I know that's terrible to say. That's like a, a really bad answer. But I don't know. Does that does that does that make any sense to either well, of you? You threw out a gigantic question, Ivan. Um, <laughs> but, but a very important. But it's very important. No, no. Ties back to the whole animal thing. But we could get to that. No, no. I'm but gonna, I, I'm, gonna I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked it. No, I'm not saying it in a bad way. It's great because we've never actually had that on the show. So just like Derek, I thank you for it. Um, like I wasn't saying it in a bad way. Uh, I always joke with Derek whenever he throws me those gigantics um, and when he start talking about them. Um, I can only speak from my experience. Um, and that is a question I grappled with greatly, uh, especially being a, a believer. Um, and for, for a time, the, the Bible was uh, basically where I looked to for most of my guidance. And what it was really difficult for me to understand this idea of, of good. And I believe it was because I had uh, the human false narrative of what good is, which is kind of locking into what Derek was saying. I had this idea of what good was from my limited perspective, from my limited human mind that I don't even understand my organs. I don't understand really. I can't curse now, you know, but I, I don't understand. <laughs> um really and i and i have to be um honest with myself about that so i even to the point where as i'm giving this answer i basically know it's insufficient you know like i have to be that honest well, and and no but let, let me because there's, yeah. there's there's some meat in here you know there's some there's a slab of meat in here there's some slab life slab life, slab life. Slab life. trust me because <laughs> when you put that's why i feel like i might be an animal because when you put slab i thought of a nice piece of meat <laughs> so I might be an animal, but mm -hmm. so so what I'm getting to is 
I had, and it was hard pill to swallow because I, I love God. Uh, I, you know, I feel like I have a relationship with God. I talk to God and hard pill to swallow was what Derek said. It's that, that fire happening in the house. That's how God works. That, you know, the, the, the horribleness that we, that we can't fathom. I mean, even the story of Jesus being God's son, being crucified. It's, I hate that story. I don't even, I don't, you know, as a, as a, as a human, you know, hearing, taking my son, putting him on a cross, letting all that happen to him. It's crazy. Like I, I, <laughs> I don't like it. I never, I never like that. I don't like it. You know, I don't like the movie where they, they're beating him. And I hate that. I don't even understand why, why God would do something like that. You know, that's my humanity speaking. That's, that's under all the, things I've been taught of what's good and what's bad. Um, but I kind of came to the realization that I don't understand. I'm never going to understand. I only have this limited perspective, like, like, you know, Derek said from this, uh, slab of meat, you know, that I walk around in it's limited and I had to just accept it. Like God, you know, I had, I had a moment where, you know, I crashed with God and I was like, that yeah that's who you are that's who that's who you are and i had to kind of accept it and and know that i'm at odds with it a bit you know that i i can't be like you know jesus is risen you know and 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 ah, hallelujah and and forget about all that other stuff and that you know the whole whole thing you know i i want to say look hunger um is a mechanism that allows us to maintain homeostasis to survive. Thirst, sleepiness, mm-hmm. uh, libido allows us to pass on our DNA. These are all physiological traits that are ingrained in us that allow us to pass on. Could we make the argument that hope is ingrained in us? And because we instinctively and primitively have this level of hope that we could subscribe to things that aren't empirical, that are simply faith-based, could that be a reason? And what has what has given us hope? Because when you think about religion, what is it, you know, why are we guided by religion? You know, fundamentally, a lot of... Across the board, through most religions, it's both hope and fear, right? The fear of not complying or adhering, this is going to happen. But also there's, a, you know, hope. People go to Mass on Saturday or Sunday, they feel better because they're going to be aspiring to something. But prior to this scientific explosion, I think, when was it, 16th, 17th century, when humans essentially were just waiting for God to do something. It was, just, it was right at that point where we started delving into science and technology, and there was huge breakthroughs in human advancement, where we said, we're no longer going to wait anymore. We're no longer, yes, we are going to remain hopeful, but this, this um, 
this fate is not simply in someone else's hands, but it's in our hands because you know what? We have the brain power, the capacity to do so. And, you know, if you kind of look at the scientific revolution, you could see that we made great strides. How do we apply that? How do we apply what we learned three, 400 years ago to now? How much, you know, how much are we going to allow our fate to be based on something that's not empirical? It doesn't mean that it diminishes its value versus something that we could, is that something that we, that's something that is tangible that we could grapple with that's right before our eyes. You know, science continues to advance, right? These nanobots continue to advance. Um, the, you know, this, if you've heard of the, the Gilgamesh project, I know this is almost sounds blasphemous, but there is this quest to live forever. They've already been able to take the DNA of worms and double their lifespan. And now they're doing it with other animals. And guess, and guess who's in line to undergo this, you know, to undergo the, these genetic mutations? We are. We are. <laughs> in line to merge with machinery and robots. We are. Yeah. So the, the, the point is, is that, yes, there is hope is good. And that, that might be part of our DNA. But how much of hope are we going to hold on to before we realize that it's going to it could potentially hold us back and we have to keep on moving forward? And I hate to say it, but it's moving towards science. And again, it's a spectrum. Right. But in order to advance the human species, right, if, if, if here you have, you know, this faith based construct in the form of religion, and here you have science and the emergence of nanotechnology and computers and cyborgs, which is, you know, where we're probably moving towards. How are we going to advance? By clinging on to this hope or by moving closer to science? I mean, the first thing that popped in my head when you discussed that, um, because I'm sort of on the opposite side of the spectrum and there's already an AI church. So, I mean, and that's, that's the, the only issues I'm having with a, with a lot of the, the, this or that I'm, I'm, I hate black and white thinking, you know, we have to go to this side. We have to go it's to the spectrum. It's a spectrum. I know, but it's, it's, an, you know, it's, it's this or that. And, and that's the thing as you go into fine, let's go to science, get ready for AI church. Get ready for us to worship the scientists who create this stuff. Get ready. I mean, it's not like it's a human condition. It's not an institution, which is, you know, which is why I, you know, I'm not institutionally, you know, uh, spiritual because systems, the mammon, that's what they create, whether it's based on religion, science, you know, and, and, and as far as hope, they're full of hope. Scientists are full of hope that they're going to find the, the, the cure to something. They're full of hope that they're going to. So it's sort of like I feel like we get blind when we just jump on a side. You know, I, I me personally, I, I don't think it's either or. Um, I think I don't think we can escape. 
the the no, our humanity. How can we, you know, just because we go to science and and we let's say we just completely shut God off, God's done. We well, we've succeeded. God is dead. We're all about science. You they've already opened up an AI church and they're atheists. What I'm saying is, if we allocate ourselves solely to hope, we wouldn't have had that scientific explosion. That's what I'm saying, and we wouldn't be where we are today. So I'm not saying this or that, but yeah, how but hope is the reason allocating our time. Uh, how are we going to allocate hope. our brain power to either hoping and wishing and being faith based and putting this locus of control on something that we can't see? Yeah, but but hope is the reason you put your hand to the plow. That's that's the problem I'm having with what we're talking about. Hope is the very reason you put your hand to the plow because you put your hand to the plow, you plant the seeds because you hope the rain is going to come. Like it, it's the whole you you're not going to do anything without hope. You 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 don't have the money to buy a house. I'm you hope you're going to save them. You blind hope. Well, let me jump in real quick. But who and has say blind that, hope? That's the thing. Like who who has blind hope? Because even even when you look at scripture, sacred texts, they're doing something. They're 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 going to a promised land. They're they're fighting a war. They're, they're, it is it's yeah. not blind hope. It's it's. It, I mean, it's blind hope to you because you may think that God is dead and it doesn't, no. doesn't exist, so it's blind. Like, how is it blind hope? So, you got to explain it to me. So this goes back to the original question, which was, do dogs have gods? Do dogs have religions? Do cats have religions? Right? And like, I don't know, it, it sounds almost silly, but they do don't. dogs have religions? I don't think if they, they do. don't. And if they don't, because you need consciousness to do that. Well, well, but they do have consciousness. And when you look at the DNA of like orangutans and chimpanzees, they share 97, 98. Oh, I got one for you. We're their gods. Maybe they do. No. Well, what if if Ivan, you're going to tell me you're not God? Let him talk. talk. We're not their gods. Why not? You got got the food. We're no different than, we're no different than them. The only, except for the fact that our brain, this prefrontal cortex, our ability to create language that creates these social constructs, allow the human species to advance, to mobilize to where it is now, where we're dominating the globe and even going beyond the globe. So, you, you know, I think if we could agree to the fact that our brain is what separates us from other animal species, then you have to at least consider the possibility that it is our, it is the very reason that our brain has separated us, that we also have created these things that other animal species don't. And this is when we get into tribes like politics and religion. Um, and like gods, and why, why is there like this innate desire to create this gods and religion? Is it because we're wired to have hope? But you know, that's what I'm saying. I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. But I, in a lot of ways, you know, like if you look at the science, like with chimpanzees and orangutans and other animal species, you know, we share a lot, a lot in common. We're, we have more in common than we have dissimilarities. 
Um, and so you, you just have to wonder, um, the, 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 the very things that allowed us to mobilize, can it be also hurting us? Um, and how, and being self-aware, could our self-awareness of this facilitate our evolution as opposed to our devolution where we're actually getting worse, worse and worse, you know, as a healthcare provider, I could almost say, you know, we're slowly deteriorating as a species and that's a whole nother conversation, right? Like we're getting bigger, weaker and sicker than ever before. But how could we continue to evolve, evolve and pass on our DNA and still remain at the top of the food chain, knowing that we have these uh, primitive traits and our brain, right? kind of checks all of these primitive traits. Like think about it for a second. Hunger is part of survival, but we don't just go into a supermarket and start just grabbing things and eating, or I'm not gonna just go into your house, barge through the door and start eating. You know, these social constructs were created through the brain, right? Like we have this, we have libido, which is part of what allows us to pass on our DNA, we're not going to just go having sex with any random person in the street in broad daylight like animals. We create these norms and these social constructs. So what I'm saying is knowing what we know, right, about our brain and the things that we've created as a result of our brain, how could we advance ourselves and not, not allow our brain to be the plight of our existence? because of the creation of these tribes, including religion. <laughs> uh, I think that's another fantastic question, man. And like some of it has to do with like grasping, I would say that if, if you, uh, because like having some hope is a good thing, having some faith is a good thing. But when that becomes dangerous or having scientific knowledge is a good thing, when that becomes dangerous is when you grasp that thing and say, I got it all right here and I don't need anything else. There's so many things all across every aspect of life is balance, uh, whether it's like having a proper diet or whether it's realizing that we are at the same time, everything's really important in this incarnation. And yet also we're a speck of dust in the universe. So many things are about balance that like I like to say too, that uh, no rule book is good enough. Well, the 10 commandments is pretty good, but also there are exceptions to those things too. There's no, there's not ever, uh, the, if there are need to be teachings of the day, they should be reflecting exactly what's going on in your individualized life. Only you can really know that. So then I think your question is like, well, as a species, how do we grasp grasp the right things and let go of the wrong things so that we can continue continue to evolve along a path? You know, I, I guess it's been going pretty good, although you know, that's exactly <laughs> right. wars and stuff like that. I guess that's which right. wars that religion has caused. So, to, how do we continue to move in a proper direction? I don't know if we can. I think we move in a direction. That's the direction. It's good for some people and not great for others. 
And that's another thing that we need to balance is, which, and this is so difficult. How can we accept that everything is perfect and unfolds the way it ought to, and there's only one way things could unfold, and yet fight every moment to try and make it better? Um, that's a Buddhist perspective, right? I think so, yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we can change the course of the human species necessarily. Um, but maybe we can make our individual self feel a little more contented as it goes along. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. Um, we would, you know, I, you know, I, I think we could talk about, you know, and this is purely speculation projections, but I guess let's talk about, look, um, the globe and where we're likely heading in our lifetime. Um, just 50 years ago, um, when our parents were teenagers, probably, um, or no, they were, they were young, they were older than that. But nonetheless, um, just 50 years ago, um, the worldwide population was three and a half billion. All right. Just 50 years later. So, you know, if you were to put human existence, if from fingertip to fingertip, that represented human existence. 50 years is a mere blip. You would need a microscope to appreciate what 50 years is, looking at human existence from fingertip to fingertip. We have more than doubled the worldwide population. We're at 7.7 .7 billion people currently. By 2050, it is estimated that we'll have over 9 billion people. But the earth hasn't grown, right? It, it hasn't grown necessarily to accommodate, you know, we are, we are creating, we're genetically engineering food. Um, we're doing things like that. We have, uh, what is it, caged animal feeding operations, these CAFOs to help with the population. But I, I think there's gonna come a point where um, resources are gonna be limited. And unless we make a major shift towards the, the, the merging of technology and human existence, where we could start inhabiting other planets and stuff like that, you know, I, I just think it's interesting. Where are we heading as a species? Um, it's estimated that by 2050, 90% of the globe is gonna be urbanized. So, and think what, and think what happens, right? When, when people are congested in small areas, aggression goes up, there's more, even more tribalism. But when people are spread out, there's less, I think this is what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but there's less um, this, this desire to um, fight for resources become less because you have resources that are ready, readily available. But now, let's project 20 years from now where that may not be the case. Um, how, we, how does religion and science fit into the potential problems 20 years from now where 90% of the globe is urbanized, where you know, there are no suburbs anymore, where people are living on top of each other and 400 
square feet units. How are we gonna, where does religion and science fit in then? Unless we have a major breakthrough in science. Hmm. Well, that's one of the things I think is, is uh, I've been thinking about this since you mentioned it last week, Ivan, about like resources. And um, like I said, I, I asked this a, a little bit earlier, but like, I wonder what, how much resources has to do with allowing further cognitive development that like the example I used last week is like a squirrel is constantly like darting around. You know, they always seem very nervous because they're constantly worried. Oh my God, I have to eat something that like, once you are able to uh, satiate those basic needs, maybe then and only then can you consider Oh, well, what, what can we do from here? And now we've had lots of years, at least in certain sections of the globe, where we were able to consider those things. If that is true, which I kind of think it is, it does stand to reason that if we lose those resources uh, at a global scale, um, we could be headed toward a very dangerous uh, uh, future. Um in which you may see things like science and religion whoosh, go out the window a little bit because they are avenues of thought which may require a certain base level of resources to even get to. Um, Interesting. So that's a very that's, that's um, a bleak uh, outlook. You know, Maslow's hierarchy. We all know. You remember that? Well, yeah, that, that ability eat. to reason. Yeah, you got to eat first. Thing requires the basic needs so if those basic needs aren't there mm -hmm. your resources yeah so you can't do it we're going to become more primitive you wouldn't have the privilege we have right now of doing exactly. this um i mean what do, do you follow futurists you know like ray kurzweil and stuff like yeah. that ivan yeah. all right because i mean they they have been planning for this what you're talking about um and from what i understand a lot of what's already you know uh, happening with with uh, a lot of people are moving to the suburbs like in New York um, people are going out this is what the futurists have been talking about for a very long time um, the coronavirus has kind of spread exactly. uh, sped it up um, so it's a different life so basically I've, I've read a couple books like 10 years back about this stuff and um, what I remember is uh, there's, a, there's a lot of technologies, nanotechnology, a lot of different things that are supposed to sprout up. And what it's going to do is give you the ability to be in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, we are evolving to accommodate what you're talking about, um, where you would 3D print your T-shirt. You would, uh, you know, just a lot of advances without getting into all of them. The long and the short of it is you would be very able to be in the middle of nowhere and survive quite easily, you know, as long as these things come to pass, UBI, you know, universal basic income is going to be a big part of that. Um, there's no way that's not going to happen. People are already getting used to stimulus checks. Um, that'll be a part of that too. And uh, there's a macroeconomist, um, Jeffrey Sachs, which is one of my, my favorite people I've ever met at the UN. And I, I follow him because he's very sensible. He created the the Millennium Development Goals. And one of the things he's talked about is that at a certain point, we won't be earning a living the way we do now um, because it won't be necessary. Automation? No, it just won't be necessary. Um, yeah, everything, you name it. 
I mean, there's there's a there's there's a plethora of technologies that are yeah. gonna make it unnecessary. So that's why you know those people who resist UBI, those people who resist this future that's coming, you know, they're they're the ones who are holding on to the past, and that's this fight that you always have, even in a company. If if someone comes who's a visionary, and then there's been people there for thirty years, you know, so that's the fight we're having in our country and in our world. You know, that's interesting. That's the future. That's interesting. So, and that that's kind of like a whole different topic, but you know, just this categorically this idea of traditionalists holding on to something yeah versus going to happen versus kind of accepting that the only consonants change and be willing to merge yeah our future and accommodate our existence with future prospects yeah accepting it and maybe even being excited about it that's probably the best approach well, it's right look at baseball for example it you know what does yeah. it have to do with everything? It's slow and boring, but traditionalists enjoy the game. But, you know, look what has gained global popularity. Anyway, this is just an example of the way people think. But if, if we don't hold on to our old ideas and embrace new um, and change, um, I, think, I think we're more likely to move in a direction that will allow us to thrive. Um, um, and, you know, even politically, I think that's one of the biggest differences between conservatives and liberal is, you know, where conservatives right. want to hold on to a past, you know, old America, if you will, whereas liberals will see that we are an ever changing species. And, you know, a lot of we are not as monolithic as we once thought we were, you know, there's, there's a lot of change. There are a lot of nuances in human existence and we have to be able to embrace that and uh, embrace, um, structural movement, uh, political variation and all the other nuances that make our existence. And, and my, my guesstimate about, you know, religion and, uh, religion or science or religion and science, however you want to slice it. Um, I don't see any of it disappearing. I, I mean, I think in the, you know, hundred years from now, when when everything I just said, if we're still here, comes to pass, and there's guys, you know, living in the middle of nowhere, no problem, UBI, different ways of earning income, trading. You know, I grow this. You, we go back a little bit and we go forward a little bit. That's how we started, butter. Yeah. So what, whatever, whatever, you know, it ends up being, there's going to be a guy who's, who might sit there and worship, you know worship the sun. There's going to be a guy who worships nature. There's going to be a guy. It's not going to stop because I really believe it. it's inherent, you know, uh, what, whether we even science, you know, I, I found it fascinating. I mean, I keep talking about it, but I think it's fascinating that, you know, AI is the future. They're talking about, you know, interacting with our brains, you know, they've already tested it and, and they've already started a church. I find that to be massively fascinating you know as a, as a, as a spiritual person or a scientist both of us should be off the charts like what the, that's something to think about that's really interesting as far as our conversation i don't see anything more interesting than that they they came with ai they're scientists atheists let's start an ai church i think that's just at the top of fascinating to me you know what's more fascinating than that that's yeah, something to question. Hope, that, faith, that how tribal we are. Yeah, even, even within the faction of. That's science, what I'm saying. Yes, thank you. That's what I'm saying. 
It just, yeah. it's, it's, and, 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 you know, we communicate with language in order for our brain to think we have to name things and categorize them. It's like a computer. So if you can't put something in a category, label it, group it, put it, your brain doesn't even know what to do with it. So it's like, we need to do this to even function. Our brain works that way. So how do you escape something that your brain, your, that's the code. You know, when, when I, when I look at Ivan, there's certain things that are code and they go into my mind and they work. And, and that's just how we operate. So I don't even know where to begin to I'm I'm just having a hard enough time to reprogram myself, you know, because I learned how easy it is to program yourself. When when I was in the cult and I was programmed, I learned, well, if they can program me, why don't I program me and put the stuff I want in here? And and it's just so it's how it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's a really difficult questions that you pose, Ivan, because we function through those mechanisms. Now, how you would you'd basically have to make a new brain. That's my opinion. You'd have to make a new brain or teach this brain. Evolve this brain that we have and well, teach it to function in a different way without even language. And that's where AI could come in, get plugged in. You know, the, those are the realms of of complete change and transformation. But that becomes dangerous because then how much of that are you doing and how much of that is being done to you? You, our That has happened. And I think it's going to continue to happen. But when you look at our primitive brain, the reptilian brain, it was designed to keep us alive for breathing, for aggression, for fear. But then we developed this thing, which allowed our heads to be big and this right this prefrontal cortex kind of starts to suppress these primitive desires and you know is there going to be even more evolution of the brain where we i don't know i guess not are as tribal maybe or not have this desire to be programmed and just accept who we are as well, we are one one thing I will say, and that's is only because I've been delving into meditation lately. Um, and me and Derek were talking about this before we started the show because it's been tremendously helpful. Um, one of the things that I can say, and it's and it's funny because it it does tie into the whole conversation of of our our constructs, you know, good, bad, why I can't accept a God that I, based on my definition of good, he's not good. Um, all this stuff. And and one of the things that I, I'm learning, you know, and thank you, Pima. Like I got my Pima haircut. This this is Pima's haircut, by <laughs> the way. Pima Pima Chadron. I'm reading her book, and, it, and oh, I get, I've been loving it. Yeah, when things fall apart. Oh, so okay. so um. Anyway, what I what I'm trying to get at is one of the things that she talks about that I've been using personally, and what I've learned is when you use something personally and it works, it usually tends to work. You know universally the more you dig in the more one you become with everything and the more you kind of understand things and one of the things she she, she teaches in, in meditating is you you get to all these feelings you know this is wrong this is right you got these narrations you're throwing all this stuff out there and instead of trying to pick a side instead of because your opinion is tied into your ego so what she's saying is let the feelings be lock into those feelings just accept them. 
like like demons that come and you're like hey come hang out it's fine but you don't feed into them at all and they're gonna get bored and they leave and i feel like that is sort of a reprogramming time that i'm doing for myself internally where i'm sitting with those things and i'm not i'm not entertaining them they're not going to take over i'm just like here you are that's cool that's what's up and that to me that was a mind-blowing thing and I, and i and i think in a sense here's the interesting part that the spiritual things this spiritual wisdom that she's getting from way back you know i think that she she's pulling this stuff out you know she says where it comes from but you know i don't remember is reprogramming your mind is trying to get out of that primitive state that you're talking about and it's a it's a spiritual practice that's trying to get you out of if you think about it a lot of of the buddhism a lot of the practices are trying to get you away from those desires those desires that you're talking about which are more primitive so it's an interesting thing and and i think it ties into what what i think i can safely say me and derek tend to lean towards and that's this marriage instead of this separation of everything you know of this marriage and this oneness of science isn't over there and religions over here it's sort of like there's usefulness in everything yes you know it's not it's balance it's it's uh knowing that knowing that i learned something from from dr ivan today you know knowing that like that i'm walking away from here I just a hard question <laughs> no but but i did learn and i thought you know what i mean like knowing that and and knowing you know where I lean towards naturally, not because it's a political thing or anything. I'm just naturally wired that way. What can I do, you know, and accepting that. And, and, um, I think that is the kind of the internal thing we can do, you know, the, the big world thing, the big, I feel like that's never, I know this is negative maybe, uh, but I don't think that's ever going to change. I think, uh, until, people can change how the brain works and we actually have classes <laughs> when we get to that point where we sit down and it's that's in the education and i don't even know why they would do that because they'd lose all power because i'm telling you if i could master half the sh uh can't curse but half the stuff team was talking about i'd be up in a mountain bro <laughs> and i'd be money i'd be good and that's why why you think these buddhists end up in a mountain <laughs> Did you think they're money they're money they don't well, need none of that conversation but you know, I, you know i think as i think to tie in everything in my best attempt to tie everything together i think um humans have evolved um over the course of millennia i think that um our prefrontal cortex really and through the advent of cognition and language and writing, we were able to separate ourselves from the rest of the animal kingdom. Um, I think that moving forward to our modern world and projecting forward as resources start to become more and more limited, we start using more primitive parts of our brain and it creates rift between the allocation of these resources. And how are we going to persevere and kind of reconcile these differences amongst different groups and, and tribes? And I think one thing is, well, it, it, I guess in your estimation, just not overthinking and accepting things for the way they are. But 
it's tough. If we're wired to survive, I don't think we could simply accept. I think you know, there's a point where something has to change. Either there's more resources or there's uh, a quick, massive extinction of a faction of the population. And I think that's where we are today in today's politics. Um, you, know, you know, there might be some conspiracy theories as to why yeah. COVID even exists. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely dig what you were saying there, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, what do you say, Mike? I think we did. He's got a bunch of comments here. New blood type emerges every hundreds of thousands of years, and we are in the new emergence of the new millennium blood type. Uh-oh. You know anything about that, uh, Dr. Ivan? Whoa. We got new blood types. A-O negative. Uh, B-O positive. Yeah. That's me. If there's the anything gym. COVID's going to produce, it's probably a blue new blood type. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, I, I think, I, I say it all the time. We're, we're ancient bodies in modern times, but, you know, over the course of millennia, while, right, uh, I think, what is it? Homo sapiens have existed. Humans have existed for millions of years, but Homo sapiens have existed for 300,000 years. If you trace our existence back 300,000 years, not us, but I guess anthropologists, people that study it, we haven't changed a great deal. Yes, there are things like what Isabel just mentioned there, you know, color, the color of our eyes, the ability to metabolize lactose, um, you know, like little evolutionary adaptations. But all in all, we haven't changed much. And I guess that brings us to what allows us to thrive. And this is a conversation, this is a whole different conversation, but it's a conversation I have with a lot of other like healthcare colleagues is like, we have to use nature's doctors because that's what allowed prehistoric man to thrive. Sun, exercise, sleep, um, stress management. We're constantly bombarded with stress the moment we pick up our phone or leave the door, yeah. leave our home. So. But yeah, I, I think there are evolutionary adaptations, but I, I think in the grand scheme of it all, we, we're very similar to what we were then, except for this right here. I, I love that because you've you very much balanced it out, you know, hugely, you know, in what you just said, you know, and how you practice. And but we it's 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 sort of that we're, we're trapped in this body and we're going into this place, you know, uh, you summed it up really nicely. That was a really nice way to kind of close it out. All right, guys. Well, I think so, I think we did it. I think uh, I think Ivan uh, is going to have to be a, a, a regular contributor here. You already are, so I, I I don't have to offer this to you by any means. Um, yeah, I think that's a given. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so maybe we can get Ivan and Method Man next time. <laughs> that would be that'd be really we could really break it down. There. For sure. Um, Ivan, thanks for coming on. Um, well, Mike and I will have to do some further research to get our ducks in a row before we can have a great intellectual battle with you again. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah, man. All right, bro. All right guys. Talk to you All right. later. See ya.